0: Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willey, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 47 features the offensive coordinator at Carleton College, Brett Bartoloni. Coach discusses his journey in coaching from serving under Mike Leach to now being the offensive coordinator at Carleton. Coach also details his experience in the air raid, installs key air raid staples such as mesh, while also sharing his favorite quick game and red zone concepts. He also shares how to structure your practices to fit the air raid scheme don't forget to check out our website at IGFootballCoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, it'd be much appreciated if you could leave us a review on iTunes to help grow our program and share our message with a larger community. This episode of Intentionally Grounded is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practices by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-temple all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com. That is G-O-R-O-U-T com, or by emailing at sales at goroute.com. Or you can call the phone number at 866-777-1448. Episode 22 of Season 2 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Brett Bartolone starts now. Coach, introduce yourself to our audience and share your background in coaching. Yeah, so Brett, Brett Bartolone, um, I grew up
1: in Whittier, california and ended up going to la habra high school um out of la habra i had a good career and i ended up going to uh to washington state university and uh playing for coach leach up there and that's that's pretty much how i got into coaching you know i played played my freshman year played about half my sophomore year and then i i had some some shoulder issues and then um I had, had a surgery done at the end of my sophomore year. Ended up redshirting my junior year and then almost made it through all junior season with, with no issues. And then shoulder deal kind of started happening again, and it got kind of nasty. And then um, that, was, that was really it for me. Um, but the coaches at Washington State, um, they, were, they were gracious enough to let me stay on my, uh, my senior year. And do the whole student assistant thing. So that's what I was doing my whole senior year there. I was student assistant with the offense, just really doing whatever they wanted me to do. And I was I was working with the uh, the inside receivers there, um, which was just an awesome experience because I always knew that coaching was something I wanted to do. So that was my internship, and that's kind of how I got started. And then my uh, my job after that, I um, got a job coaching receivers. At uh, Whittier College, which is my hometown, Whittier College Division III school, playing in the, in the Sky Act. So, I was there for a season, and then um, in the spring, I got offered an opportunity to uh, go overseas and coach for a semi-professional team in uh, in France, um, Flash um, of La Cornave, which is basically just a town just just north of uh, Paris, right outside of Paris. There. I was the offensive coordinator there. It was it was a six month deal, and uh, that was an awesome experience. Awesome experience, not just from a football standpoint, just from a cultural standpoint, and meeting new people and and really trying something different. And we did really well there. We had a bunch of great players from from all over the place, and uh, we won the whole French league there, which was it was just awesome. And uh, from there, um, I got a job coaching uh, quarterbacks at St. Lawrence University in upstate New York. And um I was there for a year and, and again another another great experience, learned a lot there and that's kinda got me in position to to where I am now with uh with Carleton. So I got a I got a call from um a, a Wisconsin number last summer, which I had never gotten a call from a Wisconsin number ever in my life and it was Coach Janelle, our head coach here at Carleton. And he, he asked if I was interested in an interview, and I had no idea what Carlton was or where it was or anything about it, but I, I looked into it, and it was something that I, I was pretty interested in and I believe we could win here. And Flew up for an interview um, a week after that, and he offered me the job on the spot, and I took it on the spot, and the rest is history. You touched on right after uh, you got done playing in high school. You went to Washington State, and you played for Mike Leach. Uh, what was that like playing for, and eventually then becoming a student assistant under him? Well, the, the thing about Coach Lee is that how, how do I want to say this? You you always know what you're gonna get, but you don't really know where the conversation's gonna go. Like you know what you're getting, but you don't know what you're getting. So like for example, you know if you're if you're playing and you know he approaches you in practice, like you don't know if he's gonna tell you like, hey, you need to. You know, you need to press to the toes of that DB. You need to stick your toe in the ground and, and burst away from him. Or if he's gonna kind of come up to you and say like, "Hey, like, you know that show Naked and Afraid? Like, I, I think you'd be a good fit. I think you'd be a good candidate on that show. You know, like, I think you're gritty enough to do it. And you know, you got the beard going on and everything. I just, I think it'd work out for you. So you just, you don't, you don't really know that really happened, by the way. And so. You know from from that standpoint you know you know what to expect, but you don't know what to expect and you know the longer you're there and the more you you know him it doesn't really come to surprise you but the one thing i'll I'll say about Coach Leeds, what I've kind of gotten from him just just from a coaching standpoint is he's very steady, you know, like you see him on the sideline and his facial expression don't change, you know, and he's never too high, he's never too low, you know and that's especially important for a coach, you know, on Saturdays, um, you know, where there's just a roller coaster of emotions and like we're we're scoring points and you want to be excited and you want to have great energy, but um, you know, you want to have the same demeanor, whether you're winning or you're losing, you know? So I think coach Leach does a really good job of doing that. That's something I need to get better at, no doubt. Um, But from, from a philosophy standpoint, the biggest thing is probably probably just not overcoaching, you know what I mean, um, and that's that's kind of a reason um, why offensively we we do what we do, and um, you know we'll talk a little bit about Carleton, but Carleton's a place where it's it's a really good school, and our guys are tested academically in the classroom. So, you know, we don't want to overcoach it. We want our system to be easy. We don't want to give these guys too much, um, you know, X's and os wise, and Technique wise, and, and that's everyone. That's not just QB's receivers. That's offensive line. That's running backs. Uh, we want to get good at what we do, you know, and I think that's something Coach Leach has done a tremendous job of doing is like, hey, these are the concepts we run and we're just going to out execute you, you know, because the more, the more thinking that, that you're doing as a player, the slower you play. And we want to eliminate slow play. We want to play fast. So we have our stuff. We're going to go out there. We're going to let it rip and uh, just don't overcoach it.
0: Yeah, and you touched on this there, you know, in terms of Carlton. You know, Carleton has some very challenging um, academic standards, and so that's probably very difficult to recruit at and um, and coach at an institution that has such high admission standards. So tell us a little bit about, like, what is it like recruiting at a college that has those type of standards, and how does it, you know, impact you getting the type of student-athletes that you're looking for?
1: Yeah, well, to, to be completely honest with you, um, you know, I've recruited at two other division, three schools and Carleton by far is much easier to recruit at than, than those other schools. And, you know, yeah, we have, we have limitations on who we could target, but like, there's, there's plenty of high academic guys out there, um, that are also really good football players and that are interested in playing at a high academic institution. So carleton has been the easiest place to recruit because it's just so easy to sell. You know what I mean? There is so much to sell here. So as long as we're finding the right guys, all we got to do is just make sure they know about Carlton. You know what I mean? And there's no excuse not to find high academic guys. They're out there. There's plenty of them with, you know, the recruiting services that they have nowadays, um, all the camps going on, releasing all the academic information, like Twitter itself, that's a recruiting tool. So there's no no excuse not to find these guys. We just got to make sure – you know, they know about Carleton because once you do some research on Carleton, it's like, holy cow. It's like, how how do I not want to go to school here? You know, once once I start thinking about Carleton, once I started learning about Carleton, when I first got here, and I'm still learning more each day. And it's like, I wish I went to Carleton. I, you know, I'm not smart enough to get into Carleton out of high school, but like, <laughs> I wish I could have gone to Carleton. Because it's like, you know, college consensus, they have us right now as the number 11 school in the country. And we're the number five liberal arts school in the country. We're number one in undergraduate teaching in the country by uh, U.S. news and world report. We just found out last week that we're also number two eating and dining in the country. Um, (laughs) Our alumni, our alumni are unbelievable and they always want to help and they're doing some amazing things. They're all over the place, all over the country, all over the world. Our facilities are unbelievable. um, And there's, there's just plenty of space. Like we got our own football building we got all our own offices. We got our own meeting spaces. We got the team room. We got the locker room. We got the, um, the weight room and two practice fields, our own stadium. So we're not like, we're not fighting for space. You know, we're not sharing anything with, with the soccer team. There's no conflict. We could practice whenever we want. Um, we're getting a brand new science building opening up this summer, which is going to be unbelievable. And not to mention, we play in one of the best division three conferences in the entire country. So it's just, it's easy to sell, you know what I mean? Like our our head coach, he puts it he puts it the best. Coach Charnell, he says all the time, he's like recruiting at Carleton is like recruiting, or it's like being a car salesman at a Ferrari dealership. It's like we just we gotta get you here, and it's just like all right, here's the keys, go off explore, you know, see campus, go talk to some professors, go sit in on a class, and uh, you know what I mean? Just just take it for a spin, and let me know, let me know if it's something you like, because the school is going to sell itself. Coach, when you were, were diving into uh, to researching Carleton before you came, what specifically made you believe it would work and be a great fit? Well, j- just, I mean, that really, like what I what I kind of just touched on, it's like we tell guys, and we truly believe this as a coaching staff, like we want to be the Stanford of Division three football. And there ain't no reason why you can't win my championships here at Carleton. Like we could nationally recruit. You know what I mean? Like other schools I've been to, you're really just kind of getting guys from within your state. But like here, every everyone, like every high academic kid in the country that wants to play football, they should know about Carlton. You know what I mean? They they really should. So that piece right there is like we, we have something to sell. We we have a certain target that we go after. And those high academic guys that are really good at football. Well, shoot, we, sh- we should be a place on your list, you know. There ain't no reason to not have really uh, really good, really bright football players here. So that, that's what we're in the process of, of doing. And, yeah, we've we got a lot of great football players here already, um, but we just need more of them, you know. So it's, just, it's a matter of getting the word out and just making sure guys know about Carlton.
0: How about fitting the air raid to Carlton, you know, when you're going through that process of trying to figure out, you know, bringing your offensive philosophy with you, you know, what about Carlton and air raid do you think was such a great fit with one another? Yeah. Well, you know,
1: you got, first of all, you got to have a system, you know, you got to have an identity that, that goes for whatever system it is. It it don't matter. You could be triple option. You could be air raid, whatever. You got to have a system, um, but it's also got to be an easy system to learn, you know, like I touched on before, like our guys, they do enough thinking on the Hill, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're tested academically and, and it's, it's rigorous here. So the last thing that we want our guys doing when, when they come down to practice is be thinking a lot, you know what I mean? We we want a system that's going to be easy to learn. Like our guys should learn this system in three or four days, you know, and we also want it to be manageable for, freshmen to come in and contribute so one the the system is is really easy because we we could probably run a really complex system if we wanted to because our guys are smart enough to do it but we don't want to do that you know and um we just want our guys to come down for practice and just just have fun let football be an escape for them um but two like the air raid it's it's unique as far as the conference that we play in you know no other team in the MIAC is really doing what we do. And the whole idea behind it is that we want teams to prepare for something different when they play us, you know what I mean? Like we've been doing our stuff since day one of camp and we still had a change. We're still running the same stuff. And, you know, now our opponent who's seen something different all year, they only have four or five practices, maybe even less to prepare for our stuff and you know, yeah, that that defensive coordinator, he's probably going to know what we're doing. You know what I mean? He's going to have me figured out. Like that's that's going to happen. But I don't really care. You know, I don't really care because he's still got to get his guys to figure it out, and they got to react to a situation where you know our receivers and and running backs, our guys are running around full sp- full speed and completely confident with what they're doing. So like, yeah, you're going to have an idea of what we're doing. We're not going to change, but we're still going out and execute you, you know. So that, to me, that's, that's why I think the air raid is a great fit for for what we're doing here, just because it's so different.
0: And when you look at the air raid offense and you look at kind of the passing game, one of the staples is, is 92, which is the mesh play. You know, uh, when you look at, you know, 92 and running mesh, how do you teach your wide receivers to mesh properly and then also identify zone and man?
1: Well, I mean, Pre-snap, pre-snap just based off man eyes or zone eyes. You know, we tell our receivers to kind of have an idea. But, like, sometimes we tell these guys, too, like, as as they're running across, like, you got, you got the idea if it's zone or man. But you look at your buddy coming across from you running full speed that you're meshing with, and, you know, if he's got a guy running uh, with him, behind him, then you probably do, too. And uh, you're going to keep running. You're going to stay on the move. You know what I mean? Because it's probably man. Um, if your buddy don't have anybody running behind you and as soon as you clear that mesh point you got a window then you're going to sit and you're going to do it decisively so I mean that's that's just one thing that we kind of a coaching point that we tell our guys as far as um, identifying manner zone and we do let we do mesh with with all our different receivers out of a bunch of different formations and there's, there's variations of it. You create high lows with it and, and motion. It's just, it's pretty chaotic, but it's, it's a great concept to do, but you, you got to practice it, you know? What do you teach your quarterbacks then with that progression? <laughs> well, when, when you're running, when you're running mesh, you got to think of the mesh as your check down because like, there's a lot, let me put it this way. The mesh is a check down cause it's it's a short, intermediate route or concept but it takes a while to develop and you know we always want the defensive thing that we're going to throw behind our heads and uh you could put whatever concepts you want with the mesh like our base mesh play um which is just, just a staple all air raid, air raid teams do it is just a two-by-two two formation the outside guys are running those eight to ten-year speed outs, and it's just a mesh on the inside so for mesh it's either outside in just based off pre-snap leverage like hey we're gonna take this looky and if the corner takes it away from us then we're gonna check it down to the mesh or to the back so you're either going outside into the mesh or you're going high low to the mesh you know you could do a post wheel concept out of three by one and then get down to your mesh you could add motion to that you could do a double wheel concept with a back three releasing out of the backfield with the post, the wheel, and then you got another wheel on the other side, then checking down to the mesh. Uh, so <laughs> I think yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I could go I could go on and on. And you, you could really get creative with it and really just do whatever you want, put whatever concept you want to it. But you want to think of the mesh as your check down. And uh, the you know the timing's gotta all work out. Like, hey we're we're looking down the field and then by the time those receivers are setting up shop and, and settling right in front of you. The timing's perfectly where you're going to plate that ball away from the, the most dangerous defender. He's going to tuck, uh, turn, and get straight up field, and, and split defenders. So, yeah, you can get creative with it. There's no doubt,
0: Coach. What are some of your favorite variations of mesh? Maybe out of maybe not necessarily out of two by two, if you don't want to, but maybe like a three by one or a twenty personnel set. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't
1: even know where, where to start. You know, we you know <laughs> we have like a, a three by one where, like I told you, the, the double-wheel concept, that's that's something that's pretty popular. Washington State does that a lot, where it's it's three-by-one, and you'll have number one to the field. He'll run that post. Number two will run that wheel. And then, okay, number one to the boundary, number three to the field. They're meshing. But then at the same time, you know, you could tab the back over from the field to the boundary and then release him out of the backfield. you got two wheels going on on each side. Um, and then you can do the same thing, but start a two-by-two two and then motion to that. And then you can maybe get into some 2 back and then get both those backs out of the backfield and, and run a double-wheel concept out of that. So we love the double-wheel concept, um, and it, it's a great man-beater as well, but I, I think, you know, with the mesh, you're able to beat any type of coverage with that. We also have a mesh flood concept. I, I call it a flood concept because you're, you're flooding the field. Um, flood to us, conceptually, means hey, we're putting a guy in the post, we're putting a guy in the wheel, we're putting another guy in the flat that same side, and then we got a mesh going on. And you could, you could get to that at empty. You could get to that at a three-by-one. But, yeah, you're, you're reading high to low. You're going post, wheel, flat, back down to the mesh. So there's, there's a lot. And you could create high-lows with it, you know. Like at a three-by-one, you could mesh. And you could put a dig at a number two. You put a dig at a number, uh, number one. And that's another great thing about the mesh is those, those high-low plays as well. Coach, in, in terms of your quick game, what have been your most productive concepts and what coaching tips would you give uh, for making these quick game concepts so productive? The one the one that we were probably best at last year was, was out of our three-by-one. And it, it's basically a version of, um, like the Air, Raid, Air Raid's version of eight out of three-by-one where you're getting a corner and a slant from the outside guy, you know? So, like, for us, we, we'd line up in a three-by-one, and, you know, number one in the field, he's running a slant. Number two is running a slant. We're just we're looking to throw number two the ball right now if we have leverage. And if we don't have leverage, then we might have leverage on the outside. And if not, then we're checking it down to the back. Um, but we'd have number three. just He'd just run across and work to that other hash just to hold that mic in there. Um, but Washington State and a lot of air raid teams, like that, that's eight for them, and they'll do the same thing to the field except they'll put number three um, on a corner and that kind of gives you a man beater but we did that really well last year we threw the ball number two a lot um just because coverage wise um we had leverage right now to do it and the quarterback had a lot of confidence in just catching that thing and, and letting it rip um so that worked out good for us we, we have wise stick you know where you're here you're, you're two by two you're shooting the back out of the backfield and you know wise running that stick or that option route and you're you're kind of manipulating that that alley defender to the field and you know, you could, you could do that to both sides. Um, something, something that we need to get better at is just is taking leverage on our, our backside slants with all, all of our quick game. We got backside slants um, attached to it. And what it, what it really turns out to be is, is a spacing concept because those guys, they could sit, they could settle. And we tell our guys like, it don't matter what coverage the defense has. Like, we could throw those backside slants and we could get the back out there and we should be able to beat and out-execute anyone with that concept right there. So we need to do a better job of uh, throwing that and practicing it. But that's, that's really what it comes down to. Like if you're, if you're going to be productive with these concepts and you got to throw routes on air and you have to have the running back involved on routes on air, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing to look at from the quick game perspective, like when it comes to us, when we're looking at teams and we're looking at coverage, is just leverage. Is leverage and just count. Like, hey, count count the defenders. If there's more defenders over here, we should be going to our backside slams. If there's more defenders over there, then like, hey, let's, let's work the field. It's based off space. It's based off numbers. It's based off leverage.
0: Now coach walk us through some of the drills and, and practice structures that you use to drill some of your core concepts. And what advice would you give coaches who are looking to air or excuse, looking to, you know, implement the air raid for the first time? How would they structure their practice or how would they structure some of their drills?
1: You're going to run the air raid and you got to commit to it. And you got to practice like an air raid team. You know, like our quarterbacks and receivers, they're always together and our receivers coach hates me because he never gets any indie time with his receivers. And the whole, the whole idea is to like, okay, you incorporate, you know, your, your indie time into the drills that we do. So like we do settle and noose, you know what I mean? Just like, just like almost every other air raid team in America, we do settle and noose to start practice with the quarterbacks, receivers. We'll have the running backs in there from time to time where they're basically just sticking away from defenders. Receivers, they're practicing, you know, their stance, their start, their release, they're practicing picking their knees up and sticking their toes in the ground and and head nodding. The quarterback, he's practicing his drop, his footwork. I'll go out there, I'll simulate a pass, rush for him. And then when the receiver's ready to catch the ball, the quarterback's got to set his feet and throw it accurately, right, away from the most dangerous defender. And the receiver's practicing tuck, turning, and getting straight up field. And then we've added – like another defender, you know, five yards after the settling noose where, hey, our receiver, he's now got to catch that thing. he got to tuck turn. he got to make that guy miss. Um, so we do a lot of settling noose. We all do that start practice, and then we'll go pat and go, right, just just your easy up. Just so we're, we're practicing our vertical ball. Again, receivers are releasing, they're stacking, they're squeezing, they're holding the numbers. And QBs are dropping that thing in the bread basket. And, again, that's that's every day because that's a ball that, we're not going to be scared to throw and we're going to do it consistently. And that should be the best ball that we're, um, that we're good at and that we're completing the most consistently. Um, And then we'll throw like the back shoulder in there. We'll practice our back shoulder balls. Um, Screen drill is something that we do a lot of philosophically. We want to, we want to utilize every inch of the football field. We we want to use space and a football field is a hundred yards long and, you got 11 guys on offense. You got 11 guys on defense. Just kind of defined to this one fraction of space on the football field. But it's like, shoot, we gotta we gotta be able to throw the ball deep and stretch the defense vertically, and we gotta be able to screen guys and stretch them horizontally. So the screen game is is something that's very important for us. But in order to get good at screens, you gotta practice the screens. So we'll go out there, and us as coaches, we'll. You know, we'll simulate a defense or offensive line. We've got the cone set up for them. they got to give their two-count, you know, and then they're releasing nice and flat, working their L-path. And then, you know, the the most important thing probably for that screen, we throw that tunnel screen? And it's a timing thing with the quarterbacks and receivers. The receiver, you got 3 steps, got to catch that ball right in the line of scrimmage. The quarterback's got to throw him up the field, and then, you know, he's riding the wave of the offensive line as, as they come out. So, Screen drills important. And then probably the most important is routes on air. You know, we'll do 10 to 15 minutes of routes on air every day. And it changes based off what concepts we're, we're really working that day. But that's, you know, other than like team and scaly routes on air is the most important drill in football you could do from a quarterback and receiver standpoint. Just so we're, you know, we're practicing our timing and quarterbacks receivers they're they're getting that chemistry. So yeah, if you're, if you're going to implement the air raising, you got to commit to it. You got to practice like that. Um, you got to include the running backs and routes on, on air, you know, cause we, we should be throwing on the running back to football a ton. And if this thing's working correctly and you're doing everything you need to be doing offensively, the running back should probably be touching the football than anyone on that offense, you know. So, you know, Gardner Minshew from Washington state last year, like he led the country in passing and like 60% of his completions are four yards or less. So what, what does that tell you? Like he, he's throwing the ball to the running back a lot. So that's something we got to get better at doing. But, you know, if you're throwing the ball to the running back a lot, then uh, you better have the running back and routes on air with you.
0: A couple final questions here, Coach, uh, just kind of situational questions. Uh, we'll start with the first one here. If you could call your favorite play-action play or any play-action pass uh, versus the defense of your choice, what's your go-to play-action concept?
1: ah you're you're asking the wrong guy about play action yeah i don't have, I don't have a lot of those um, probably the the best the best play action concept that I did um was when when I was in France we had this this play action pass where we'd line up like in a in a two by two snug formation and just like a quarter's defense. We just have number one of the field just kind of just run a curl right at that guy's toes, that field safety, mm-hmm. and then we take that other number one from the boundary and we just run him as fast as he can to that opposite hash and we do play action in and, and throw it over his head. And the inside guys, they they were chipping, they were um, they were checkdown guys. We had a lot of success with that. Um, but but other than that, I I don't really have much play action in my arsenal. Like we'll we'll do some fire fakes to like hold hold the mic in there and then we'll we'll throw slants off that. But other than that, that's, that's about as intricate as it gets.
0: (laughs) Well, here's one last one for you. If you get one play to call to win the game from the 10 yard line, and we'll just say you're getting man across the field. What's, what's your call?
1: Yeah, we're, we're throwing four verts and we're just, we're picking our best matchup and we're fading those guys up to the, the corner that we think, uh, isn't very good. And that we like our guy against our best receiver against, uh, against a matchup that we like, because that, that's something we just do. And we, we practice that all the time. You know, I have more confidence in throwing a one-on-one fade ball to, to our receivers than, than any other play in our offense. We'll, we'll do that. You know, if we, if we, if we were first and first and goal and from, from the whatever, it's like, we'll, we'll call four birds four times in a row and we'll take the chance that we're going to complete it for a touchdown on, on one of those, one of those downs so four verts four no doubt
0: now the last question that we always ask our guests i kind of uh, preface this with you when we talked before the interview um, one of the things we ask our guests is if you could have a walk-up song as a professional baseball player or wrestler what would it be and why and your walk-up song request was joker and the thief by Wolfmother. give us a little bit of yeah. an insight as to why you chose that song
1: i well one it's really catchy well, it's, super, it's super catchy and it's a it's a good uh, it's a good pre-workout song a pre-game song I think I think it gets the juices going a little bit um, but just the joker aspect of it I think uh, I think that's who we are you know as an offense you know we're, we're just out there and we're just we're just a bunch of renegades and we just we want to have fun and we want to fly around play fast and and score a lot of points. Um, I think the faith aspect of it is, uh, is that, Hey, we're, we're going to steal it from you. You know, defense, you, you know, you think you got an idea, you think you know what we're doing, but we're going to take it from you, you know, in, in some fashion. And like, like a thief in the night, you're, you're not really going to see it coming. You think you see it coming, but you, but you don't. So I, I thought that was uh one that made sense as far as uh what we do.